It is Wednesday the 6th of February and you are listening to the Outsiders Comic Book Underground Podcast. Hey guys, it is Wednesday. We are the Outsiders. My name is Wade Wilberforce Sally. here with... Khalil Goodman. Mark Gibson. And Mark Ali. Okay, today we are going to have some fun. We've got a great discussion lined up. We've got some great comments to review. And we're going to start, as usual, with some movie and comic book news with Mark Gibson. Alright, we've got a whole slew of comic book news this week. Uh, first up, the... Well, according to Wade, indie series, Chew. <laughs> Uh, Showtime had talked about picking up the series as a television series, but that's apparently not happening. Uh, the co-creator, John Lehman, shared via social media recently that the show's development had been an ongoing process since being announced about three years ago at Comic-Con, with 24 Stephen Hawking slated to direct and executive produce. But, unfortunately... That's not going to happen. Uh, comments made about the show by series artist Rob Gilroy only three weeks ago make Lehman's announcement an expected one. The show would be shockingly loyal to the comic, which is what Gilroy was saying, but now the co-creator is saying that Chu will not be a series on Showtime. If you don't know about Chu, Chu is a dark comedy series set in a world where poetry is outlawed due to a bird flu academic pandemic. Sorry. And Sarah's special agent Tony Chu, a Chibopa, one who can see the final living moments of any creature he consumes. Following up on that, uh, another indie style comic, Mind Management, and that's MGMT, uh, a dark horse book, is apparently going to be picked up to be produced by Ridley Scott. 20th Century Fox has picked up the movie rights to Mind Management, a Dark Horse comic book by indie darling Matt Kind. Ridley Scott is producing via his Fox-based Scott Free Banner, along with Dark Horse Entertainment's Mike Richardson and Keith Goldberg. Kind is the writer and artist behind several acclaimed graphic novels and webcomics. Mind Management launched last year as his first ongoing series. So that is apparently going to be picked up by... Uh, Fox and it will be produced. Hmm. Uh, I watched Ridley Scott direct paint right? so <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> I'm sad about you. Yeah, I agree. That'd be a good TV show. It would definitely be a different TV show, and not something TV could really use. Yeah, well, there's a lot, a lot of good TV on right now. Uh, I'll tell you what for. <laughs> no, there is a lot of good TV. I know you're not a big TV person, but there's a lot of good TV on. It's just. Um, I feel like it probably would go the way of pushing daisies. It would be too quirky, and then it would just get uh, cancelled. Yeah. Uh, the book My Management centers on a government agency consisting of psychic spies and their greatest asset, Henry Lime. After he suffers a breakdown and loses control of his abilities, causing the populace of a town to kill one another, he goes on the run. Several years later, a true crime author named Maru who was part of a flight where everyone mysteriously developed amnesia, is saved by Lime and begins to investigate the agency, uncovering her own secret connection to it. A writer for this project is currently underway, a search for that writer, but this isn't the first brush Hollywood has had with Kent. His graphic novel, Three Story, The Secret History of a Giant Man, at one point was set up at Warner, with Dustin Lance Black writing, and attached direct. 
that project is known to turn around and Black is retooling the script. Also from Dark Horse, they have R.I.P.D. Uh, adaption of one of its properties coming up, and that movie is set for release uh, in June on June 19th by Universal, and that stars Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. Moving on to the comic book side of the news, Bendis, M- Brian Michael Bendis, uh, he teased via Twitter that a sequel to the miniseries Spider-Man is on its way. Uh, if you're not familiar with Spider-Man, it was a series where the You should be familiar, listeners. We <laughs> reviewed it on this show. But in case you didn't hear a review and you live under a rock, the series... Oh, you're joining us for the first time. <laughs> you're joining us for the first time. Spider-Man was about uh, the mainstream uh, Marvel Spider-Man, uh, a.k.a. Peter Parker, crossing over to the Ultimate Marvel Universe and meeting the Ultimate Spider-Man... Name escapes me. Miles so Morales. Miles <laughs> Morales. Uh, that was a series in last year, 2012, and apparently it was so well received that Bendis is looking to do another one. Um, I hope he doesn't spread himself too thin. He has Guardians to work on. The interesting thing, I guess, for that particular series is that Peter Parker is not currently Spider-Man, so that will be curious to see. Uh, back to movies, I guess. Paul Giamatti is set to play Rhino in Amazing Spider-Man 2. He's one of the more recent cast confirmations for the Amazing Spider-Man sequel. Uh, this Wait, follows... confirmed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's confirmed. Uh, this follows the attachment of Jamie Foxx as Electro and Shailene Woodley um, as, Mary Dream, uh, as Mary Jane, as well as Dane DeHaan, who will be playing Harry Osborn. How do you guys feel about having two villains? Uh, it's <laughs> I don't really like Electro at all. And I love Rhino. And I think that makes me unusual with Spider-Man fans. So, I like Paul Giamatti a lot. I think he's an awesome actor. I think I he can bring a, Paul Giamatti. I think he can bring an interesting take on, on Rhino to this role. But not what you'd expect from well, he's so a big schlumpy. brute force guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To turn into Rhino of all things. Yeah. I think it'd be an interesting, interesting to take on. I'm neither here nor there, to be honest. Um, I'm not invested in either villain, or uh, I'm not. Don't really care for Paul Giamatti. I, I could take Jimmy Fox or leave him. So you know, I'm open to whatever they do. I'll be, I'll be pleasantly surprised or disappointed. I'm not. I don't care one way or the other, to be honest. <laughs> I think for only for only to remember that the Amazing Spider-Man movies are based more on the Ultimate Spider-Man universe. And in that universe, the Rhino at one point was an armored suit um, controlled by a little guy inside, so hmm. maybe that fits closer to the ideal of Paul Giamatti. Yeah. I'm just going to see what it is. That I remember he won an award, um, but I'm trying to remember what it was. I know I complained about Spider-Man being rebooted already, but I'm interested to see more Spider-Man villains on screen um, with the you know modern CG and that kind of stuff. I'm interested to see the treatment they give them. I, I, I wouldn't want to see Spider-Man villains that haven't been featured on screen before. I know I everybody's know. excited by the concept of, of, of Osborne or Osborne coming back. And I don't want to see Green Goblin again. Well, they're only setting him up so they can kill Gwen with him. Yeah, <laughs> but he was he killed Gwen as Goblin. Yeah. yeah. Um, continuing with the movie news, this is a bit of disappointment and it has had fans up in arms. More disappointing than Chew? More disappointing than Chew. Uh, apparently... Cartoon Network has cancelled Young Justice and Green Lantern the animated series, but fans are not thinking that lying down, and they have 
set up an online petition for the network to bring back both shows. No offense, fans, because those work so well. Mm. They worked well for some shows. Very rare on the, all the shows. That have <coughs> they have like worked two for or some three shows. have gone back. Well, I think I think Jericho had gone cancel at one point, and fans did the whole petition thing and brought it back. Jericho. Oh yeah, I think that, yeah. Well, due to fans buying a ton of Family Guy and not yeah. being for Family Guy, Family Guy is the big success story. Here. So, so is um, the Femme Nikita actually a massive push for that yeah. got that show back. But Red Dwarf, uh, Firefly, Arrested Development, mm-hmm. all died out despite fan pushback. Mystery Science Theater was one of the big losses. I was like. I really? love that. Fans, Such are, a good show. fans yeah. are trying to get community not to get cancelled as yeah. well. Well, community's back for a fourth season. So. Yeah, but there's um, some worry that with Ben Harmon gone and the ta- the fact that they're going up against Big Bang Theory in the same time slot. That Which I don't care for. I don't get any big to do about that show. Big Bang is really impressive for me. It was funny. I, for I really like community. It was too funny for a bit. Community's, community's a lot better. Community's, I think, for. Community has more of a of a geek sensibility than Big Bang Theory. I, I read a perfect description of this recently. In Big Bang Theory, we're still the punchline. We're the joke. The, the yeah. geeks are the joke. Yes, it relates to our culture, but we're still the punchline for the jokes. While Community's kind of in also um, Big Bang Theory is a very traditional. I said this recently on that article so that, come, yeah. that I posted from um, yeah, set, from AV Club it's, it's a very traditional sitcom multi-camera with a uh, laugh track Horny. and community I'm not say is a lot like more it, but it, it's, I don't, it's I don't like formulated. it I find, I I find the jokes really about. broad yeah. the references are very funny yeah. but the jokes are quite broad I saw it once on the airplane when it's come out of Barbados and I was like Oh, so you just watched <laughs> one, and that's how you formed your opinion? Uh, yeah, I can't watch it anymore. I'm not all surprised. Yeah, I couldn't watch it. It was it was, it was just awful. It was like, I'm not and that being it. said, the actors are very good, and they're funny. It's just I find the jokes are too broad. Yeah. But uh, we're going off track. Um, hopefully, we Young Justice. More, uh, I'm really sad about Young Justice, though. Yes, Young that Justice is, is awesome. a good show, and it it's is. Well I know I've said it to you guys more than once, but the animation of that show is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So, uh, it's unfortunate. A bit more of the movie-related news. Uh, Disney this week confirmed some Star Wars news. Uh, yeah, we know we're getting a seventh Star Wars film, but Disney this week, uh, Walt Disney Pictures chairman and CEO Bob Egger, he confirmed rumors that the studio is looking at a series of Star Wars films that will see release independent of a new trilogy and will focus on specific characters from the overall overall Star Wars universe. Uh, one of the recent uh, rumors this week was that Yoda would be getting his own movie, which would be interesting to see. From his ages 450 to 500 when he's a middle-aged little green thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like painful to me. <laughs> like, I don't think Yoda has enough... Yoda's awesome in an ensemble. Does he have enough interest to carry a whole thing? Probably not. The right writer. Um, you get the right writer totally come out of left field don't make it a standard Jedi movie at all mm. Yoda and his family his lost revenge story you know something completely out of oh, left field it's like mm. he'd be like Willow or the Hobbit totally just take it a different place well the thing, the thing about these Star Wars the second new movies the novels have been pretty good um, more or less consistently yeah the novels they have endless source material I don't think they're going to take many risks at all I think they're going to go for the best of the books um, they're going to take the best stories from the books 
have them adapted by a big name and take some safe money. Well, I'd like to see the, the what was it, Tron, uh, Emperor, um, I don't know, Tron know, yeah. series um, being adapted to screen. Um, that in itself is a, I think it's a, a trilogy of books, so that would be cool to see. But I don't think they're going to do that for the upcoming trilogy, so who knows. No, uh, I don't want to be that kind of trilogy. But as you said, single shots, I think they're easy money to be made there. Um, right now, I think they have guaranteed audience just on curiosity. Um, what's Disney going to do with the Star Wars movies? They have guaranteed audience. The first three movies are guaranteed almost no matter how bad they are to, to at least have a, a showing the opening weekend. Uh, a Boba Fett movie would be oh, awesome. That would kill. That would, that that would be, be a monster. Awesome. And as such, it would also need to be treated well and take a long time to develop and blah, blah, blah. So that probably would be one of the first ones. Wade is nonplussed. Yeah, I, 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 I watch Star Wars, but... I'm you know what's funny? For me, Star yeah. Wars is almost as much comics as it is movies. Yeah. Um, I yeah. was a big fan of the Marvel comic series. Yeah, I was, I, Star Wars <laughs> is, just, is... I love it. It's cool, but I don't get work till late. I think, I think it was Dark Horse that had the recent the recent comic book series and they did some good stuff with that. When I see Star when I see Star Wars, the um, fans went all mental is like just I don't get it. It, it, I think yeah. when you spend enough time in it, you become a fan like of the it. universe. I like it's not it. just it's the cool. character. Yeah, it's the universe. The whole universe. Yeah, I know. So. I watch the movies but I just no. I'm saying if yeah. you don't connect to the universe, then yeah, the rest of it's gonna be that, lost. That, mm-hmm. that rabid love, I don't get it. Uh, find a bit of movie news this Speaking week. Speaking of rabbit love, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it's one of the biggest, biggest news I guess for at least one of us here. Uh, they've confirmed a lead for the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy film from Marvel, and it's Chris Pratt. It's an interesting choice, but approved stamp. I give my stamp of approval. For Chris that. Pratt, who's probably best known for playing Andy Dwyer on Parks and Recreation, at least that's where I know him from. Yeah. Well, he, he apparably was the lead as well in Zero, Zero Dark Thirty, Dirty, which yeah, was Zero an Dark excellent Dirty. dramatic movie, mm-hmm. an action movie, and yeah. he, he pulled that off. He, he got a lot of critical acclaim for playing um, a kind of washed-up dad in Moneyball as well, which I have not seen. Um, he's trying to break out of that kind of um, young, immature character that Parks and Recreation kind of end up he ended up playing that character in lots of other films as well and I think this is a nearly perfect in between um, Peter Quill yes. should be part jokey and part really serious and weighty um, I'm kind of forward to just take on it so um, which I guess is strange though yeah, you weren't hearing a whole lot of casting news I guess for the other yeah it's been really that. slow unusually slow almost concerningly slow is that, is that a bad thing um, I don't know maybe they're just taking their time and being careful um, it sounds like they're putting a lot of weight into every choice so Ooh. and every choice has big names rumored for it which also I guess slows the process down when you have to deal with all these agents and that kind of thing so we bought we bought Peter Quill <laughs> we bought Rocket Raccoon um, there are two or three other members Gamora is the must have that we're sure is going to be have, Drax is another one that we're sure, Drax could almost be a CG character depending on how they play it I don't know. Um, there's a possibility of Adam Warlock having appearances, although it hasn't really been mentioned. Or if you have Adam Warlock you could have Adam Warlock versus Thanos in Avengers 2. Exactly. But, okay, okay Mark, you're the, you're the um, Guardians of the Galaxy fan. Um, fan here in this room who do you want to see in terms of actors to fill the other roles? That's really tough choices. I'm, I've been doing it the other way. Tell me the choices and I'll tell you the ones I like. Um, so I, I wouldn't have picked uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't have picked Chris on my head, but I like that choice. Okay. So uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I couldn't tell you who I want to play Gamora. Oh, except for we talked about it recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I like her for Gamora. Um, I think she's big enough and got the attitude enough to, to carry that off on screen. The one thing for Gamora is she shouldn't be a little girl. <laughs> she shouldn't be a small wayfish character at all. Oh, Beyonce. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's an interesting choice, but she doesn't have the meanness to play Gamora. Gamora just is badass. So you need somebody who can pull that off and make you feel that. Alright, well that's the end for our movie and other related news. What's up next, guys? Before we go to reviews, because the next thing should be reviews, I am going to do something I've never done on this show before. I'm going to say I was wrong. <laughs> so, there you go. I was wrong. About what? Okay, last week on the show, um, I was talking about Young Avengers, and I mentioned that uh, Hulkling should not have brought his mother back, because... Uh, she was the queen who led the Skrull invasion. Um, Hulkling is the son of Princess Anel, whose father was uh, a despot, um, Darok the Seventh. Hulkling is Darok the Eighth. I think I'm getting that name wrong, but anyway. Um, but I know that he's definitely Anel's daughter, and Anel got together with Marvel and had him, right? Or is it Philavel? One of the Kree. So Anel was actually a good um, Skrull. She didn't want to go. Um, she didn't want the, the Avengers to die. She didn't want her father to destroy all kinds of things. And she was always pleading for people. And um, apparently she got together with the Kree and she had Hulkling. Princess Varanki, who overthrew Anel's father, is the one who led the Skrulls. Somebody nicely oh. tweeted this at me. They're both princesses. They're both Skrulls. I mix them up. <laughs> so in the Skrull invasion, um, Anel dies before the Skrull invasion, um, secret invasion. But Anel was the nice one. Varanki was not the nice one. I mixed them up. So I was wrong, and I just admit that here. Thirty lashes with the whip. So now I can understand why they brought Anel back because they thought she'd be the nice version in their world. Clearly, she may have been different in an alternate reality. So just want to clear that up. Okay. Hopefully, that was the last time I make that statement on this show. Well, I mean, the good news is you didn't get anything wrong with any X-Men related characters. I know. When that happens, I pretty much... The whole reason for me being on this show will be null and void. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're going to move on to reviews now, and I am not sure what's our first book for review. Invincible, that? that would be me. That would be you. Invincible 100. Invincible 100. Jonathan Kirk, Robert Kirkman on the... Um, uh, words, Ryan Otley. No relation. No relation. On the pencils. A hundred issues of this comic book that I have never read before. But luckily, Wade and Mark have. So, Mark Gibson. So, I'm going to go through this quickly with the synopses so that I don't stumble too much and have to say that I was wrong. And other people can fill it in. Um, so, the issue starts with the ending of the last issue, I'm assuming. Or where we see Invincible, Kastar, Invincible's head gets flattened by dinosaurs and his eyeballs go flying um gross this is caught on camera in front of everybody and the whole world and all the characters in this um hundred issues are in shock and, and they draw everybody, horror everybody, and they draw every <laughs> single person really cool kind of um way to summate all of the um people who've been in this series and 
the most everybody recalls in horror, some people in um, disgust, some people in utter sadness. All people he's impacted, all of his enemies, everybody's in shock. Um, so uh, uh, Invincible wakes up in what could be the afterlife. He notices everything is super quiet and he can't feel anything and he says this is not natural. Uh, and then we hear the very scary, um, hello, Mr. Grayson, Mark Grayson. Um, so while that's happening, Bulletproof is trying to save the world. And Dinosaurus, who you guys tell me is a former villain, is revealed that he switched out Invincible uh, with a clone and killed him on camera. Old Doctor Doom trick. Um, switch to another um, set of people who we've seen before. Uh, Immortal. He says the world needs him. He leaves his wife and his kids. Um, flies off. And Angstrom Levy, mm-hmm. Invincible's villain, pops up in a dimensional gate. Intent on revenge. Intent on revenge and finds out that the guy he wanted to have his revenge on is dead. Because um, it's hit the internet already. <laughs> Invincible is dead. And so Dinosaurus reveals his plans. Evil plans take over the world. And um, we find out that what seemed like the afterlife was really Invincible in a virtual chamber, I guess. Right. And Dinosaurus says... Um, I did everything he was going to accomplish this kind of make the world better by destroying 70% of the world. That's the idea behind the whole thing. And then he says to Invincible that you have to kill me. So we see the off panel. We don't see if he dies or not, but it seems like off panel he killed Invincible, um, killed Dinosaurus, covered in blood. And he goes to the edge of the evil lair, sits down, and looks very sad. Uh, Cecil comes out, meets him, takes him back home. And um, he said, "All oh, sorry for himself for what he's done." Um, his girlfriend, what's his girlfriend's name? Well, Atom Eve. Atom. Atom. Is Eve? Atom Eve. Atom Eve. Atom Eve. And she has <laughs> atom powers. Yeah, she can literally um, stuff on the atomic level. Oh, okay, yeah. great. So Atom Eve is at home crying, and Invisible's parents come home, and they find out. Obviously, they don't have internet or phones. They found out. They've been off planet actually. Uh, and they have the internet on our phones. They find <laughs> out that Invincible is dead. She's to tell them that he's dead. And then, of course, he pops up. I'm not be- dead. It was a clone. And she says, Please prove it to me. And he whispers something to her ear that only she and him would know. My penis is very big. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and she, he apo- she apologizes. And everybody cries. His mother cries. And it's all great. So it seems for an 100th issue, kind of like quiet, relatively. But it finishes with a cliffhanger. Atom Eve says, I'm pregnant. And it finishes with that. Invincible looking quite surprised. And um, that's the end of the 100th issue. Well, get a test. Yeah. I thought... Um, Did she cheat on say, I thought he was going to say his penis bends to the left. Not that it was big, but... <laughs> Uh, that's irrelevant. That's not really a thing normal. because that's a lot of guys. Eighty percent of men. Well, species. to the right then, but not that it's big. But um, <laughs> I actually have two. Is what he whispered to her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I maybe that may be the case. He's, like, he's an alien, right? right? Like, but I think their their physiology is quite pretty much the same as human. Um, this book was really disappointing for me. Um, yeah, after a hundred issues of one of my favorite books, which to be honest, it has kind of gone downhill last twenty issues or so. I guess with Kirkman focusing primarily on the Walking Dead, 
Focusing well, primarily on Walking Dead, doesn't devoted much effort to Invisible, in my opinion. Um, these stories are hit and miss. It seems kind of directionless. Um, the whole, I was expecting a big blow for issue 100, but nobody actually died, as far as I'm concerned. The whole thing was everybody dies. Nobody actually died. Not at least somebody died. Dinosaurus died. We think. You hope oh, he's dead. We don't know. Don't sure. I, I don't think he killed him, really. Um, he just bleeding bloody? I don't think he did that. I think they faked it. For some reason, uh, that's just gonna keep on working in the background trying to fix things or something. Um, I was pretty disappointed after 100 issues. This is not what I was expecting. Kurtman, I'm sorry, you dropped the ball, but I'll still stick around for the long haul because I love this book. My review of Invincible 100. There you go. Oh, God. Strap in. After much hype about Invincible number 100, the conclusion of a three arc entitled The Death of Everyone. The truth is revealed for all to see. Kirkman is a zombie-obsessed hack. The typical 100-issue milestone that Invincible is supposed to be is a bitter acid disappointment that hangs around the necks of long-time Invincible fans. The first page is a trite, overused, myopic misdirection that firmly places Kirkman into the same category as M. Knight. Go home, Kirkman, you're drunk. So tell us how do you really feel. You, you, I'm amazed that you wrote that out, so that's great. <laughs> how do you really feel? B, that's a lot of words that say you didn't like it. See, after 100-ish... Okay, I'm going to say the same thing I said for Superior Spider-Man, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 700. Did this one issue destroy all the stuff that happened before that you got No, that's why I said I... St- it was a lot better on Angel. I'm going to still stick around. Okay. But I was... The last 20 issues or so have been... Of lesser quality. Um, it's called the death of everyone. Yeah. Nobody dies. I don't need people to die. That's a misdirection. That's fine with me, but it just wasn't a good story. I'm not dead. I'm just yeah. amused that Mark is like, he's a hack because I yeah. didn't like this issue. Well, for me, this wasn't. Although, I won't say Walking Dead, the comic could really stop now. <laughs> for for this to be the point at which I join Invincible. Oh, pretty sad. So I think you need to start. Yeah, I read it, Mike. I'm like, so. Yeah, what were you saying all about? Yeah, this is what you guys are so happy about. This is it. You really need to read the earlier issues. This is wasn't this wasn't a good example. It's not a milestone issue at all. I mean, sure. All right, ends with this whole cliffhanger, hanger, pregnancy, pregnant. That's so cliche. The next picture, the next picture, the next issue she's showing already. Well, she's fine. Yeah, she's been fighting over the last when she, when she, she, no, when she doesn't, um, when she uses her powers, it burns calories, and she retired from being a superhero, so she started packing on all this weight. Okay, I have to admit, I really like that. <laughs> I like that far more than anything I read in this That is interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, because, I mean, look at me. Alright, so when you first started seeing um, Adam Eve, she was this, like, stereotypical comic book hockey. Right, and then within the last was it twenty something issues? I don't know if I so she retired, how I that analogy though. And you know she just started putting on this whole set of weight, and it was weird. Like, huh? her powers are power burned. Her powers burn calories. Right, what are they trying to say that she's like? Yes, I don't know. She's not she, she's a cool character. She she's still she's a sexy thing. Thick thing. So I'm sorry, I like him like that. So the thing is, she left being a superhero. And she went. She moved to like Africa. I guess started using her powers to you know. Help people. Well, you would think if you could manipulate things on an atomic level, that that's what she was doing. But she was still standing. She stopped using them all together. So she like went and started like growing crops, people and stuff. So you know that's it. Um, did you read it, Mark? 
Um, yeah, like I said, underwhelmed. Yes. Mm. Yeah, you would be. I'm sorry. So it was underwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how do you rate this thing? I give it a... I give it a two and a half. Really? That's the lowest I've ever rated it. No, it's that's generous. not true, but... It's generous. Yeah, but... Yeah, I give it a two and a half. I didn't think it was that bad. I just thought it was... Well, if you, had, if you were an following any book... Right, where it, not much it's happened. Been, yeah, it's been very disappointing, so... It kind of disappointed me a lot, so I have to give it a two and a half. Right? Well, Ryan Otley's art, I liked. His so, art is nice, yeah. His art's nice. Very, I mean... Nothing... He does, like, cool panels and stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked... And the action's good, and... So even though I felt like nothing happened, I would give it a three point five. It was okay. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give it a four or anything. Mm-hmm. Three point mm-hmm. five. Very mm-hmm. generous. Very generous. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a three. I give it a three. Yeah, I'm upstanding. Yeah. Well, you give it but a I one. Can't. Yeah. A one. A one. Just for the art. All right, school. I give it a one. That's the lowest you've ever given anything. Is it? Yes. I'm sure he's given zeros before. Really? I don't this. think so. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did a one. Well, a I mean, one. On the grizzly iron. What I mean for. Like, growing up reading comics, when you hear something like it's like 100 issue or something, you think it's going to be this big, cool. Yeah, that could have just been a regular awesome issue. Story. There's nothing, yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Right. <sighs> moving right. on. Moving on to our next book for review. What is it? It's yours doing it's Justice League Dark. Oh, I'm reviewing Justice League Dark. Okay, um. Justice League Dark number 16. Let me just get my stuff, my notes together. Okay. Well, last issue, the members of the JLD, they followed Timothy Hunter and Zatanna over into what we call the Wild World, which is basically another dimension, if you will, where the world was infused with magic, and magical beings like fairies, nymphs, and elementals walked and lived side by side with man. As man is wont to do, we desire to take control or destroy what we don't understand, and over time we develop science and technology to rival that of magical beings. We turned against them and practically committed genocide, murdering the magical creatures to reduce from millions to mere hundreds. So in this issue, a group of fugitive survivors rescue Tim and Zatanna and tell them the history I just recounted to you guys. In the process revealing to Tim that his ancestor was actually their king and greatest mage called the Hunter, who had, with the use of man's technology, created some stolen, used some stolen tech to create what we thought were the presumed books of magic and plan to get away for the small remaining group, uh, the most powerful mages in the wild world. The plan was to escape to Earth and raise some magical armies in order to take back their homeland. Unfortunately, the enemy finds them and attacks with only the hunter escaping. Meanwhile, Constantine and the others are having their asses kicked by Vicar or Vicar of Epoch, which is apparently the name man is given to the wild world. Uh, he's an agent of the law, basically charged with destroying or capturing any magic users, prosecution and punishment. Due to the makeup of Epoch, their powers are on the fritz with Constantine unable to lie and use his guile and charm to trick and talk his way out of trouble, which I didn't know was apparently a magical power. Is it? No? <laughs> well, I don't know. I've never seen it before. Well, it apparently it is, because it's... Yeah, right, yeah. Orchid turns into a giant monster. Madame Zanadu ages to 80 years old, losing her immortality, apparently. And Dead Man suddenly becomes alive, only to be killed five seconds later and become a ghost again. Um, as Vicar takes them down one by one, there's suddenly a massive earthquake all over the world, which also starts to reach through the portal to Earth and threatens to tear both worlds apart. And that's how it ends with that cliffhanger. I really enjoyed this book. This is not a series I would have picked up before, but clearly recommended it. And I'm so glad I did because it's great. The art's nice. Um, Lemire's writing is spot on. It's great. I can't I can give it enough props. 
Say that again. You <laughs> <laughs> recommended it, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Uh, this book's right up my alley. Strange, sciencey, you know, horror stuff. Awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah. Art is perfect. They they do a good job of keeping um, a consistent mythology, which I think is important when you're dealing with these kind of books. That you don't just randomly throw things together and make anything possible. Um, it's interesting and involving with the way the book's magic works. So, I, I love it. Well, for me, Justice League Dark has been one of those books I don't consistently read. Um, the whole, you know, horror slash, you know, stuff isn't typically my my ball of wax. So, you know, um, but this issue has been curiously interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure if at the level where I I wanted to hate it, but I couldn't be book. <laughs> but it's, it's it's okay, it's cool. Right. Yeah, I have only been reading it consistently since the first time Khalil recommended it. I didn't go back, but I'm loving it. Khalil, uh, I liked it. It's my book of the week, I think. Actually, um, everything about it, like Mark said, the being able to balance the magic and the science and the kind of superhero stuff because not all of the um, characters are like magic wielders um, the mirror has a good handle on them I like liked seeing Orchid trying to fight as a big monster and also Frankenstein's a big monster fighting and Vicar not figuring out how to fight them because they're not badly based in the same way and then I was a little bit weirded out by Constantine not being able to lie because as you said I didn't think that was a magic power but apparently that's part of his his ability. So in the book, no they kind of it. allude to that that he's he's not just a normal uh, scumbag. Right, right. He's an exceptional scumbag. I know. I just it just and obviously the world is a little bit weird. So yeah. I'll just let it go. But yeah. the fact that he had to like he couldn't lie was funny. Yeah, but also uh, it was weird. And uh, poor dead man. Uh, but it was also a fighty fight issue, and the fighting looked good. Dead man fighting the. Whatever the guy was, the in betweener. Yep, was very cool. Was very very cool. All the art was excellent. And this new thing is a new origin for well, an additional thing for Tim Hunter. Yeah, that's new. But it it fit in. It was good. So how do you read it? It's a four point five for me. It's also a four point five for me. I really enjoyed it. Four point five again. Like I said, it's it's not me. You'd be honest. Give it your answer. So. You know, I'm not gonna as a, as a, just an issue you pick up. It was cool. I you know probably give it a three, but I'm not a huge fan of that the book. So, <coughs> um, up next we're with another DC book. This one is He Man Masters of the Universe six, and I'm doing that review. All right, <coughs> yeah, I actually wrote this down. <laughs> um, okay. <coughs> He-Man Master of the Universe number 6 is a heck of a ride if I do say so myself. As someone who grew up watching the He-Man show during the 80s, I was torn between genuine interest and a certain reluctance. Here I was thinking that this was another property from my childhood that was being mindlessly mined just for the money. Scribed by Keith Griffin and penciled by Pop Man, M-H-A-N, this series took the familiar and delightfully twisted it on its head. Now, the entire series starts with Adam living as a simple woodsman, a job he inherited from his no-ailing father. But nightly dreams where Adam is a powerful warrior battling a dark foe begin to plague him. 
and prompt him to begin a quest that will take him out of the forest he believes he's lived in all his life and plunge him directly into the unknown. All along the way, Adam encounters dangerous foes that seem to know him intimately, but he has no recollection of them with only muscle memory and half-remembered insights and a magical falcon to see him through. That and a beautiful stranger, Tila, who is inexplicably, inexplicably drawn to him and he to her. Adam and Tila come to understand that they know each other as well as the as well as the fact that they have to see the quest that they're shambling along on through to the end. The journey takes them to an island ruled by a mad sorceress, and this is where Adam and Tila must fight each other to the death. But Adam successfully outwits his mad sorceress Evelyn or Evelyn. She might watch the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> she finds herself and he finds himself and Tila trapped between her vengeance and her bloodthirsty hordes and a giant green tiger-type cat guarding a familiar sword embedded in a stone. Issue 6 picks up and things are a little more familiar. Adam is now He-Man. Dot, dot, right. dot. Adam is now He-Man <laughs> and he now wields the sword but he also remembers everything. The evil skeleton used deceit and betrayal to defeat He-Man and all the other masters of the universe and trapped them in a spell of forget which separated them from their lives, power, and each other. The spell centered itself on He-Man, but when he recalled the sword, or recaptured the sword, the spell was broken. This leads to an epic showdown between these two titanic foes, a vicious no-holes-barred, one versus one. Uh, the fight wraps up, good friendly triumphs, and Skeletor is defeated. But along the way, some of the... Along the way, there are some universe-shattering revelations, including what happened to the sources of Castle Grayskull and where the power of Grayskull truly, truly resides and just how Skeletor was able to triumph in the first place. This series is He-Man as never before seen. Yeah, that's my brief synopsis of the book. What do you guys think? I loved it. I remember telling you guys about this book when it first started and I think it was scoffed at. I'm pretty sure it was scoffed at. Especially like I scoffed at the Skeletor yes. one, which right. I then did say on the episode that I enjoyed. Well, it initially started off with James Robinson as a writer, who I really enjoyed. And for some reason, he was off after issue one. There's a whole bunch of little side spin-off books, like Given the Origins and whatnot. There's a He-Man origin out this week as right, well. Right, right. There's a whole bunch of... What I like is that this is not kitty. It's pretty adult. There's blood on He-Man's sword. He kills people and stuff. Skeletor is not a cornball villain. He's deliciously evil. The art is great. The story is great. He-Man is He-Man. Um... I can't see anything wrong with it. It seems to be an ongoing, so I'm going to stay with it for a long haul. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I thought it was a mini. I don't think this is ending. I, I thought it was a mini as well, but I can't find anything. I don't think this is ending. Yeah. Oh, I thought this the sixth issue was the final issue. I don't think this. so. I like the twist as well, especially that. Because we have film after Oracle. Apparently Oracle's the who betrayed the masters, so. Yeah. I don't know how that Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that was intentional, a mistake on his part. Or if Oracle it's not was Do you see the last page of the issue? That has to be Oracle. Is that, I was thinking, is that Oracle really? I think so. Oracle's always been a goofball. Yeah, but Skeletor was a goofball in the, in the TV show too. Yeah, but he was an evil goofball. Oracle's a well-meaning goofball. So it's Oracle, I thought it was Oracle too because the, yeah, the hand is in a red cape and it's a blue hand. And the final thing it's sitting in the talent. Th- call it's a hand. blue talent sitting in the throne. So, so that, I thought that, it was that him. That floating mass face is... 
Orko's a bad guy. It's a great move. No, the f- what mask face? Oh, the floating mask face. Maybe yeah, his mask him. face. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the red. Clo- I thought the red cloak and the blue mm-hmm. hand was 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 to let us know that it's him. But his speech pattern. I mean, what would ha- what would happen to Orko? Well, that would be He would go the way of Shadow Weaver and sorry, get dark powers. Mm. That's how she got her powers on the Shira show. No one watched the Shira show but me, obviously. No, I watched Shira, but I don't remember. I don't remember. The origin of, of Shadow Weaver is that she used to be um, good, a good sorceress, and mm. she decided that she preferred the power, and so Hordak gave her um, this power, and she only got a third of the power she was supposed to get, and it made her dark and evil okay, and cool. shadowy. The um the. But then, okay, with the last, sorry, not question, the last captioning where it says to be continued, what do you think? So I guess that's a confirmation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think originally it was supposed to be a... Oh, that is serious. Yeah. I think uh, it did well, though, so I think that's probably why. So what, this mean we're going to officially have a, a Superman and a crossover? <laughs> yeah, that already, actually. We've had that before. So, in other news of books that have been scoffed at, when I'm reviewing My Little Pony, Friendship is Magical. Uh, <laughs> we'll do that... <laughs> I second that. <laughs> you know, I actually don't have a problem. We could actually do that sometime. All right, coming up, coming up soon. My little pony friendship is magic. <laughs> yeah, well, Bronies well. for life. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, so help me rate Himan guys. I'm gonna give it a solid three and a half, but I'm gonna caveat that with I really didn't give as much attention as it deserved. Uh, I kind of skimmed it last minute. Uh-huh. So I didn't read through all the details, but I was liking what I was seeing. Yeah, you should um, like read the other ones. I, I will. Um, I'm, I'm liking it a lot. This clearly was targeted at kids who grew up watching this who are now adults. Yep. Clearly targeted directly at us. Um, what I'm reading here is that is a six issue uh, miniseries. Uh, I'm going to come back with a second. But they'll minute. probably. Yeah, that can't be the end. It can't be the end. It's too good. <laughs> Because I give it a okay, I rate this a four. It wasn't perfect, um, but it was, I give it a four. Khalil? Hmm? Are you Sorry. Khalil's listening um, to something on his. I was listening to the people who are checking out our hangout as we're doing this show. Okay. So that's what I was listening to. Um, I didn't like it as much as you guys. I liked the other issues more than this one. Uh, it was a nice and it was a good ending, but I felt like it was. Not as um, not as good as some of the previous issues. I don't know what exactly I didn't like, but I was just like, mm. but the um, overall, yeah, it was a good series. Was, I think it would read really well in trade, and um, people are probably definitely going to should pick up the the trade for this or individual series if you haven't already. Well, for me, uh, the last issue, issue six, seemed to be a little rushed. Like I mean together in a hurry um, how the story wrapped up but overall I think I'll rate the series as a 4 mm-hmm. definitely it's pretty good okay next up we're going with another DC book and it's Batman Robin Annual Number 1 <coughs> and I'm doubling up this week guys so I'll be reviewing Batman Robin Annual Number 1 <laughs> alright let me just get my notes together for this one as well Dead air, dead air. Yeah, my laptop was giving me some issues. Hold on. Well, your laptop giving me issues again? Really? Are we actually surprised? I don't think it was. Okay, and we are ready. (coughs) Batman and Robin Island number one. Alright, first off, 
I love this animal. I've never been a huge Damian Wayne fan, but this book made me love him. So, <clears throat> what appears what appears at first to be an attempt to get close to his father and show that he's listening and learning, Damien, through a recorded message, sends Bruce on an international treasure hunt of sorts. Returning to places his parents visited through the, together in their youth, where he finds mementos and whatnot other times there. There's like a, where he, there's a hotel where he finds a painting that his mother did, where he put his hand in paint as a toddler and printed his hand on the picture, on the painting. Stuff like that, this, which is a touching gesture on Damien's part that shows that for all the shit he gives Batman, that he really does love and respect his dad. But in truth, Damien does have an interior motive. When his dad's out of town, Damien puts on what must be the prototype of his future Batman costume, the trench coat and stuff, and hits the street all on his own. Uh, there's so many funny moments in this. There's a scene where Damien pops up in the back of this new um, Gotham detective called Pierce this lady in her car and scared the shit out of her with his imitation bat voice which is written like dark scratchy letters I can only imagine but what a he's doing yeah. the, he's doing the Christian right. Bale voice yeah right <laughs> so I can only imagine what his 10 year old voice sounds like doing it but it has to be convincing because everybody thinks he's Batman she thinks Not he's everybody. Batman I she think thinks he's Batman I think it's a, a plausible deniability thing he can't be anything else. Yeah, so, so it has to be Batman. Doing a weird thing. Yeah, he's got a cold. He, he got hit by some kind of gas attack. Okay, he yeah. was recently taking some nice socks. Like, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. got to be him. Uh, there's also a scene where Damien is in the mansion with Titus the dog. And he's wearing his dad's robe. Uh, holding this big, like, one goblet. Looking through the window at the sunset. He's trying to go on patrol. And he says, like... Good on already, stupid son. That, that was epic. Yeah. That was a brilliant. Is it when he asked for the milk? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All this shows that despite his badassery, he's still a 10 year old. But, 10 year old or not, he was trained by Batman and the League of Assassins, so he does do a great job keeping the Gotham safe and kicking ass. Obviously, at the end, Batman figures out he's been duped, but he appreciates, he appreciates what Damien did for him, and he also commends him on his skill. The book ends with him in London. Watching Alfred acting this old troop of stage actors, uh, after having an epic meltdown when confronted by some antagonistic ex-lover of his, resulting in him telling Bruce when Bruce Sports found him to kindly shut up. <laughs> so it was a great book. The art was not spectacular, it was solid. It was stellar by like Peter Tomasi. It was too yeah, yeah right, okay. right. I love this book. I love Damien in it. He was perfect, perfect, perfect. I loved him for this. He was just a kid, a fun kid, but obviously issues. But you know, I really like it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm I'm with that. that I really <laughs> haven't followed Damien much, you know, yeah. since I came back in. Yeah. I, I kind of get his origins and stuff, and he said, okay, he's you know, a tiny psychopath. But this book fleshed him out as not yeah, just sociopath, a sociopath, <laughs> not just a sociopath, but really a kind of brilliant planner. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the Batman traits, just a little darker than, yeah. than his dad. Um, it, it was a great issue. I agree. Um, if you haven't read Damien, this is this is must read. Uh, I think this is one of the first times I really, really love clicked with the character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think this issue was well done. Um, I've always been more of a fan of Damien. Uh, of all the Robins, I liked Tim more mm-hmm. until the I like pre reboot. Yeah. yeah, but now the now Tim in the new two is not what he used to be. So. I guess I switched preferences to Damien, who is a little sociopath, but he, he really wants to have a relationship with his dad, trying to be the son of Batman, has to be hard, that can't be easy. 
Um, you know, to be the son of Batman, who does not acknowledge that you're his son. Well, no, I, I think in the Batman series, he's gone. Um, the relationship, the relationship has gone to the point where Bruce has acknowledged, okay, this is my son. Um, yeah, no, I mean publicly. He doesn't ever know that Damien is his yeah, son. Yeah, I, I don't know how to be ways though, because then he'll have to admit who the mother is and yeah, yeah, yeah but he, but villain. everybody knows that Bruce Wayne has uh, Dick as his adopted son. He's got Dick and he's got Tim as a double mm-hmm. son. He's got both of them. But poor, poor, poor Damien. I, I think for Damien, though, the sort of personality is he doesn't necessarily need the public acknowledgement as long as he's able to have that relationship with his with, with Bruce. But this this issue, though, did wonders for like character development for Damien. Yeah. And it was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Really. Uh, I think um, Damien was already developed a lot pre New 52 especially by Morrison but this definitely I guess now with the new 52 kind of reminds people about what he's like and it was a nice even though we're all enjoying the death of the family it was a nice kind of since everybody but Mark Gibson is enjoying death of the family (laughs) uh, it was just a nice kind of um, like how annuals are you know kind of more light but good characterization fun story Mm. If you didn't read it, you didn't miss yeah. anything. Yeah. But it was it was good. I liked it, it a nice, lot. Yeah, what you just said it was a nice change from from death of the family. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, right, yeah. I mean, for, right, I'll right, kind yeah. of relief from all the yeah, horror and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And um, if somebody does die in death of the family, and it's Damien, it would be unfortunate. Yeah, it would be. Or anybody else, I guess. Or if it's Alfred, but it was unfortunate. Anyway, I, I liked it a lot. It was cool. Yeah. I gave it a solid four point five. I'm gonna give it a four. I'll give it a four as well. Um, just, just because the plot was light, yeah, yeah, it was light, like critical, but yeah, the character development was, was excellent. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it a four as well. Good standalone. Oh, hello. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know the news. Mark has been possessed. That's <laughs> 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 why um, Mark Gibson can't read any books with horror because he yeah. gets possessed by that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on to are we doing Superior Spider-Man? Superior Spider-Man number excellent. two. Excellent. By Mark Ollie. All right. I'm going to run through this quickly, the way we've agreed to do things. Um, because I think there's a lot to talk about mm-hmm. afterwards. Is this Superior Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. So every week we're going to talk about Superior Spider-Man? Uh, we're going to follow it for a while. I think at least yeah. until there's a either a status quo. No, no, no. I, I, I'm just... No, no, like, no. But last like, week we didn't review... We didn't review Superior Spider-Man, but yet we still talked about it. Yeah. I listened no, to the issue. We didn't talk about it. We didn't yes. insist that we talk about it. What grains my gears. <laughs> All right, well... Continuing on, um, what's the convention? Films. Spock, Shido, or what are we calling Spock it? Or Shido. <laughs> I'm calling him Octo, but S- yes, Spock yeah, continues Octo. to Octo. Uh, improve on all the aspects of Spider-Man's public appearances, his relationship with Jonah Jameson. Now he's doing this in an auto way. Um, he basically commits crimes and then solves them, <laughs> and makes himself look good. Um, I really want to get the oh, sorry, messed man. up part. Uh, he continues going on with this. Oh, sorry. I guess sorry, I have to edit. I guess I have to edit. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. I'm just saying my typing is... I don't know how long it is. How long is the vacuum? I have no idea. How high is it? It's underground, unleveled, and they're coming this way. This is horrible. I saw this whole thing. There's a petition going on on Facebook and everything to deal with this. Yeah, I saw it. Yep. 
I actually protested the page and they Facebook replied and said, no, we're not removing it. Because it's supposed to be funny. Wait, hold on. What was the page? It has a monkey and a little white kid and said black people and white people are sin- the same. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, yeah. if that's not hate speech, I don't know why it's... It just says as long as it's under the, the heading of humorous photos or any that is it's okay. Really? Um, wow. Um, we have an audience just in time here is talking about race. Thank you to Romero, uh, Omar Kennedy, and Josue for joining our Google Hangout to watch us, listen to us talk about this. And of course, they would all come in just for Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, we, we've taken a... <laughs> Say hello, Mark. We've hey. probably taken a vacuum and break. Hey, are, you gonna, are you going to edit this part out? Or yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yes, the um, salad is being vacuumed. We're probably like <laughs> Unfortunately, maid isn't female and we beamed in the cleaners. French outfit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, since we're all doing that, we can have sound. Uh, okay, so now sound. Too many echoes. Too many echoes. <laughs> That's being picked up at your mic. I'd have to go Vacuum cleaner. Anyway, guys, welcome. Thank you for joining us on the show. We're glad to see all of you. All three of you. <laughs> <laughs> this is our audience. I thought these rules were so good. 20 people. <laughs> yeah, you've discovered otherwise. Definitely not so good. Yeah. Alright, so we're just taking a break until the air, um, vacuuming stops so that we can start talking about Superior Spider-Man. Is it because I'm black that the usual ones seem a bit funny to me? <laughs> <laughs> you racist bastard. No, I mean, <laughs> the one with the monkey really pissed me off. I was like, yeah, really? The, the Asian one is actually. But I've seen a lot of things things that are allowed on Facebook. Yeah. So, why can't we just, you know, have the typical stuff where it's like, you know, tits and ass? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the. Oh, that stuff gets. This is stuff that's quick. not allowed on yeah. Facebook. Really? Yeah. TNA gets taken out pretty quick. There's a site on Facebook Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of stuff, but I mean, a lot of it also gets taken out. So. It's true. There's also a lot of. Oh, Hostway's falling off again. Oh, I'm going to on Sundays, though. For real. Hmm. Pit Mark Gibson is a fool. What now? No, Mark Otley. Mark Otley, sorry. This this fool <laughs> here. Oh, yeah, I know it's like, huh? What the hell is he doing? I'm just going to say that Google Hangouts and do that too, but then remember they don't have a webcam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a phone. My phone have a, oh, has a webcam. Romero's cracking up because, of course, when you turn, the monocle like goes to the side of your head. Sideways. <laughs> Let me try it. Let me try it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A question from Mario about, what is it? Do you guys believe that Doc Ock was spiking Peter's month to MJ's memory? We'll, we'll deal with that shortly. <sighs> Jesus, who yeah, said that? Mario. What do we call it? Romero. Oh. Go to Thank you for the question, Romero, about the spanking. Go to Cameron. <laughs> we will answer the question about the spanking. We will? Yes. Oh, it's a question from a listener. We have to answer it. We need more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing at us. I'm not even sure if he can hear me. I'm assuming that he can. But with the earphones, then I'm not sure. He can be watching porn. 
No, he's laughing at Marali. <laughs> but I think he can hear us. I think I should <laughs> use a or a place or. Um, oh, Mark Kennedy's like, Mark Otley is hilarious. Get a monocle like, like a sir. Yeah. Ugh, I gotta something. Do a place drawing, let's see what I'm Okay, can we start oh, that? Yeah, a little less. Okay. Or you can still hear it? Right, yeah, when you need it. Okay, back to series. Alright, we can. Roll on. Okay. Wait, no, wait. Wait, no, wait, what? I didn't cut by the way of it, so, you know. Thank you for giving me a lot of work, as usual. No problem. I mean, I'll start doing this with this. I told you I could totally do it. Yeah. Right. Where do we start? You were able to start your review, pretty much. Okay. Um, so, Spock is continuing to live Peter's life in a better way. Um, that is relative. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, among the captions are lunch with the Watson woman uh, while he continues to try to woo Mary Jane over to his side because that's part of his whole you know being a better Spider-Man thing uh, he puts Spider-Bots on patrol which is smart uh, he makes an app to be able to view all the Spider-Bots get a lot more personal time he's gloating about this to Mary Jane look at how brilliant I am uh, the whole thing is laid out in a pretty much Dr. Octopus way, Watson dating trials, number one. Results inconclusive. And it goes on like this. And it's kind of tiresome, to be honest. Um, so he goes on trying to get with Mary Jane. Peter's inside, freaking out, going, you bastard, you bastard, you bastard. Uh, he tries everything he can. And still, Mary Jane is, at best, giving a little peck on the cheek. Um, frustrated by all of this, he, her, her, how do you describe this part? Frustrated by all this, he decides to access Peter's memory to satisfy his needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get to, we, uh, seriously nauseating panel. Each we get kiss, to, every tender moment. Yeah, we get to see him reliving all of that and then waking up the next morning going, wow, I've never slept so well. Um, and it, it's really creepy. Um, should we interject here the question that we got from Romero? Oh, yeah. We'll wait till you finish. We'll no, wait, let's, let's wait. We'll wait till you finish. get through this. Uh, again, in continuing how much better he has things, he has a robotic assistant in the lab. He goes, T Earl Grey Hot, lol. Yes, remember that robot? Yeah, um, we picked up from. Where was it? Rashad's from way back in the middle, like my back in the sixties as an old robot. Oh no, no, but story. I mean he got yeah, it. This I know, time. Yeah, right, we yeah. six thing like yeah. Um so really, 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 really hated this thing. Um the mini the mini vultures uh, I don't know them well. They're a team related to the rail vulture. Is he con- commanding or controlling them or what? They're his minions. Okay. So they are related minions. to the, the vulture vulture. Who, by the way, I quite like as a Spider-Man villain. Um, they throw Mary Jane out a window. Superior Spider-Man cleverly almost kills her, um, but he does save her with, you know, a little subconscious advice from Pete. It wasn't a subconscious advice. He made the smart choice. Who made the smart choice? Octavius. No. No, it's Pete. Peter. Told him. He Peter told Octavius him. was gonna 
tiger with a web line and pete says no make a web net yeah and that's his subconscious push so, yeah, that's Pete's experience guiding Octavius a little bit. And they decide, you know what? This isn't going to work out. And in probably the most superior Spider-Man move of all of this book, Otto actually says, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm done. And zooms off. And he really means it. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That's that's really cool. Um, then we get the last scene of Mary Jane and Carly discussing everything that's going on, and it really looks like Carly has, you know, put two and B together and kind of figured out what's going on. So she's suspicious. She's saying, I gotta get out of here. There's some mysteries I have to solve. Um, that's the most exciting part of this. I'm gonna give a quick analysis before we get on to the discussion. This book was too early. This would have been a good superior Spider-Man number 10. As number two, it's it's really awful. It, it suffered badly from the from the order of the story was going in. Dan Slott discussed this on Twitter, and he did something I found a little repulsive, which was kind of like, "Ha ha! Look at me! I did what you didn't expect." I'm seeing too much of Dan Slott in the writing and the story. I I'm really not that interested in you. Make a good story. I don't care. You know if if you think you're surprising people or freaking them out or whatever else. And continue. Well, um, speaking of Dan Slot, <coughs> I <coughs> tried out my Twitter training wheels today. And I, actually <laughs> <laughs> and I actually did um, send Dan Slot a message via Twitter. Alright, so how does it go? Um, so I sent in the first question. Why doesn't Spectre PD Ghost walk up to Doctor Strange and ask for help? Dan Slot replies, maybe he's not a ghost. Where I then say... So is PD Jiminy Cricket or Otto Split P personality evident? Slot trying to be a troll with me <laughs> replies he's a scroll, a magical scroll made up of part of the cosmic cube. There. Now I've spoiled the next the issues. Happy? And he sticks his channel to me. Uh, my response was so is this six one six cosmic cube bits or MCU as in Marvel Cinematic Universe? <laughs> Already read your notes, Jackal clones and extracts Otto and Maneco laughter. And that's pretty much the entirety of the conversation. Um, I, I actually enjoy this issue of, of Spirit Spider-Man number two. Largely because I'm not a huge fan of Mary Jane. And I'm glad to see Otto Spidey, Spitty, whatever, moving on to other things. I much prefer Carly as a uh, you know, Spider-Man girlfriend. Um, I don't care about Mary Jane either, but... The tone of this book, when you're still deep in the whole mystery of how this is working, it just made me sigh deeply. I'm still sighing deeply. I enjoyed it. it was I fun. thought, I thought personally, that this book was, as you like to say, not worth the toilet paper. And it was, I would wipe my ass. With. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not just gonna. I'm not hating just on the whole slot writing or anything. So, or an odd slot for killing Pete or whatever. It just was corny and poor and. Yeah. Vanity Mill and ordinary. I agree with. And Peter's just Peter's just cracking corny jokes while he's trapped, dead or whatever. It just didn't fit. It felt the, they made the whole thing of Pete cracking jokes. I was the whole so like, behind Seven Hundred. Yeah. I was so behind Spirit Spider Man Number One. And here it just kind of turns that whole thing into It's lost. Bill. It's weird to me. It's yeah. lost in yeah. meaning. It just because you know Pete just there cracking jokes. He's gonna come back. I no longer care. All and, the things uh, became just, givens. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, you know, whatever. Just serving it over with. I hated it. 
Slough has dropped the ball. I don't know if the fear of death threats has gotten to him or if he's just. I honestly think that's a factor. Yeah, honestly. Right. Or if I, I just can't imagine he was planning to, to do this. this thing this early. Right. Or if he just playing straight up a hack. But, you know what? I honestly don't think he is. Well, maybe he is. He's got good writing. He has good writing under his belt. I, I think but if I, you I say he's it. a hack, you're going. I'm not saying I'm, I'm wondering. I just hate it. It wasn't any good. I just do not like it. It did not impress me at all. I was like, really? This is it? Um. The fact that he says that maybe he's not a ghost, it seems, as we were talking about last week in the I grind my, what grinds Wade's gears section, that Peter like that. is trapped in his subconscious. He's not a ghost. Yes. Yeah. That scene cleared me from, from the like, way yeah. they described it. He's like a program or whatever underneath, his, underneath the main consciousness. Uh, I agree with you. I think that he has... Well, I'm stuck in the hangout. That he had it too quickly. He had the... Um, the uh, the return of Peter too quickly. That being said, I really like the issue. I know I'm the minority here, but I did. You're equal, equal. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it's two against two. I two liked it. I thought it. I, I thought it was really entertaining to read it. I yep. the the spider robots were cool. Didn't it take the, away some of the weight to the the seriousness of the situation? Well, for me, having Peter return at the end of Superior Spider-Man one took away the that. weight of the of the situation. Um, and I like Peter, and you guys like Peter even more than I do. But he's always crap corny jokes. Yep. So if he's trapped inside somebody's mind, he's still going to do that. I I, I, I don't think, think I think he wouldn't. I think I think when things get serious, Peter gets serious. I've seen him got serious before. This where? Where? When is he not? Serious? Serious. Like when, serious? when? 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 For one, right? Ronald Johnson. I just you're dead. So I mean, but what else but, does he have to do? Right? He's he can't go anywhere. He's trapped inside the guy's head. He's just We're taking there. Me, it's taking me story early for this. It's taking me yeah. story. I what's taking me story is the whole review at the end of Superior Spider Man One. Mm-hmm. It's like no. gave no indication. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that no, I could have no, dealt with that, man, but really? this is spoiled. If you had worked with it and built up yeah. with it, instead of just making it, you know, the, the slapstick and the comedy, comedy hour. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of off it his body, really? Yeah. But, but this is, this is okay. how it fits. Another, another few things about this. The whole octopus and Mary Jane thing is horrific, and it should be horrific to Pete. Yeah, um, exactly. That's the only thing, the kind of potential rape of Mary Jane. Making it light... Is you know, it's I was having a problem with it. Um, I have a problem reading it. It's really uncomfortable for me to read. I'm the whole time I'm like, there. This is this is really disgusting. Um, I think. Sorry. Um, was your microphone on? For the hand? No. Okay. No. That's mine. That was you. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. The. The, I'm not all this. At the all. sorry, no. We could just yeah. we're having a hangout. People, Correct. listeners, know that we're having Damn a hangout. Straight. Sorry, um, and if you want to watch us, you can come to the hangout too. Um, the wanking off over her. In reality, that would happen. It probably would. But I guess like that was actually for me like. I'll be even more cold. That. In reality, this is something Dawg probably does pretty regularly since he's been you know evil mastermind for a long time and not having time to court anime anymore. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Come on, what, how, how is this horror? This is like they watching porn. I mean, it's all porn. It's porn. This was bad. So. It was really bad. Yeah, the right. porn in somebody else's head. Yeah, yeah it, it's horrible. But I'm sorry, that's like, almost skin crawling for me. <laughs> all right, well, let me give you an example. Hey, no, Would you like to wander around Wade's head and see what he thinks of women? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. It, no, it is atrocious, enough. but that's kind of. 
as you said, that was less goofy, and I was like, oh, that's really horrible. I actually liked that in a way. It was all goofy like, for me, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, yeah, like that, uh, the way my different the a little tones bit, like, of the issue are are what's off for me. He hasn't got a little good bit in that Wade thinks it was horrible. All right, I do as well, but only because of its placement. This could have been done later. I, I really don't like it going ridiculous this early on. Next question. Um, is wanking off in a stolen body gay or masturbating? It's <laughs> 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 yeah, a continuation of the <laughs> If you're wanking somebody else's penis, it's totally gay. Yes. Exactly. Even if, it's <laughs> your, even if you've borrowed it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you've borrowed it as a body. I would feel weird doing that. That's not my dick I've known for 40 odd years. <laughs> Touching the hat. Um, uh, two things. I'd be peeing like this. Uh, two things. One, Omar says it's also rape because whacking off somebody else it's is true. Also rape. without their permission. Right. True. Good yeah. call. And uh, Josue says that the the show the issue was weak to him. Yeah, well, well that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but he actually says Josue. That's just a given. He actually says yeah. having uh, Josue says actually having Peter come in so early is what we can see issue yeah um so thank you to omar and Josue for typing in coming to the chat and writing that so we can see that uh yeah it's kind of rapey the rapiness is kind of what scares me like if he actually yeah. had sex with mj oh, oh my god just like that if you thought the threats were bad now yes that's that's so uncool <laughs> but it's interesting that he said this is not going to work out because it actually seems to be not that he's like, I'm tired of trying to have sex with you and it's not working out. It mm-hmm. actually seems like my love for you or your love for me is what's going to weaken me. So I'm ending this now. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. And, and a dark art thing to do. So yeah. I was cool with that and that and it's in character and that kind of stuff. I'm not I feel cool like the second half the, was stronger than the first part. Um, he Dan Slott posted on Twitter that you know, all these people that said it's going to last for years, it's going to last for this length of time, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Ha 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 ha, look at what I did. And that bugs me a lot. Mm-hmm. That that you know, you're kind of trying to take the reactions and and run the story counter to them as as your thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to telling a good story. Yeah. Uh, and I like I said, I was totally on board with Seven Hundred and Spear One. Yeah, this one kind of. I really wanted him to come in. Like I, I think we've been talking about this so much, but oh, yeah. <laughs> for having him come in and write Doc as a Spider-Man that was interesting yeah. and complex yeah. and not have Peter at all and make everybody either drop it or not but read Octavius as Spider-Man yeah. Yeah. that's what I really wanted even Jose who said, hates it so much has read every issue as yeah Jose <laughs> is reading it I mean like as you said if he had gone 10 issues with this yeah. no sign of Peter yeah, right. but the I guess the, there's also he obviously slot read is the rapiness the potential rapiness of of him raping yeah. MJ is also kind of super, like just superiorly messed up. It just yeah, too creepy. Like it would it would push it too far. Yeah. So he, I think the problem with the tone is that setting up the villain inside the hero's body in this way is either do you have him be so nefarious that he does things that will make the fan base so upset that they drop the book fully. Or do you and and also even while you're writing a crest all, of tremendous sales, right? You know? Exactly, and it's also like a um, Spider-Man is more of a, a, a 
book that appeals to multiple age groups like how do you balance that that's out? a good point I hadn't thought of you know Spider-Man is really as a kid's hero as well as the complicated you know adult character um, this book is completely unrelatable to children as it stands right now let's uh, rush to the creepiness another level Oh, Peter, come give your old Aunt May a hug. <laughs> Peter, why are your hands there? Hands? <laughs> Peter, why do you have that raging boner? <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal. I can't deal with this. I'm sorry. I just laugh. That's actually really funny. <laughs> it's not funny at all. It's super creepy. It's funny. Josue <laughs> um, uh, also says that he thinks the writer for Avenging Spider-Man writes a better um, Spirit Spider-Man than Dan does, which is uh, Chris Yost. Um, who I I'm a big fan of. That's a that's a salt. I thought it was a rotating um, team. Oh, it's been Yost for the last three issues. Okay. Any anybody that that well that the two and the point one has yeah. had a, has a relationship with oh, no. in Peter's body is is going to be that whole rape thing you guys are, are screaming about. You know. So what's it going to, going to be? Become a monk? No, it, all of it's rape. Yes. Uh, kill uh, your speakers, please. Trying. Good job, man. Good job, Wade. Good job, Wade. Good job, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Drive it home. Drive that point home. <laughs> uh, this is why I have my earphones in my computer. I'm not editing any of this. this is all <laughs> I know. It's just yeah, everybody no. will have to hear it. And you can now join us on the... All up What's bleeps and blunders. I muted it. I didn't unmute it. It's muted now. There. Oh, yeah. Then. Are you done? You yeah. finished? I'm finished. I forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah, right. Rape. We've been talking about say that word like a million times now. I'm so rape triggers. We should have probably mentioned that early. Yes, <laughs> rape triggers. We should put that in the liner notes for the show. Um, if you get together with Carly, it's gonna be the same thing. Yes, that's true. Well, then you should meet somebody brand new. No. It's so rape. It's rape on Peter's part. He's raping Peter's body, but it'll be rape on that person's part. The other person. Anybody he has sex with. Well, what yeah, he's he impersonating, but in theory, if he courts and meets someone himself, right. that was him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't buy that. <laughs> so, how do we rate this, guys? Give this a one. I hated it. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, it. so today, Invincible <laughs> number 100, uh, he gives a one. Yeah. And then Spider-Man number two, you give a one. I hated it. This must be some kind of record for us. Uh, well, I think this is the lowest for me too. One point five. Actually, two. I like Stegman's art. I, I know do you not don't. Like I, I know you don't. But I like Stegman's it's art. He brings scratchy and sketchy. He, like yeah, it. but he does good menace as doll, which yeah. I like. He he brings a, a different feel to him, which I like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, two. I I really hated reading this book. Mark Gibson. I enjoy the city words. Um, I'll give I'll give it three point five. I mean, it it plays I guess more to character. I mean, it, it's the octopus in Peter's body, you know, um, and you're gonna have him doing stuff that will be disturbing. Well, he's saying that he's trying to be a better superior Spider-Man. Spider-Man number three. He's totally gonna wank off over Gwen Stacy. <laughs> Why, Khalil? Why? Yeah, he is. <sighs> well, since we're all talking about really thing, I mean. That's of course, Emma Stone thing. is Gwen Stacy. I She's a rotting corpse. Okay, so. Um, oh yeah, this is what's gonna happen. He's gonna go to her graveside yeah. and then wank off while yes, thinking uh, about three her. issues. Bird in the next yeah. three issues, Carly kicks him in the nuts. I'm looking For forward sure. to that. For sure. <clears throat> well, let me say, Carly realized what was going. On. Well, Peter did talk to her at the end of um, 700. So, 
Please, Carly. Please, Carly. Yeah, you're on the Please. You're our only hope. That's your only hope. I wonder if he'll kill her. He won't let him. I'll never have Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just need to see the box. I don't call Anyway, those are our readings. Uh, Khalil and... Is that really, really what you meant? Wait, really? Um, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> How do you guys rate it? I'm unsure. Really? I am genuinely unsure about what my rating would be. Give it a three. Um, I like the art very much. I like parts of it. I dislike parts of it. I don't like his art as much as the like the other books we've seen today, but the scratchiness of it, I don't mind. I agree, it works it works for the book. I don't like it at all. Like the Captain Picard reference, I laughed. The spiders, I liked. Yeah, uh, the spiders, I liked too. Him, uh, no, that was him thinking about wanking of all the times he, Peter had sex with Mary Jane. Yeah, and at first, when I first read it, I, I, didn't, I didn't acknowledge it. I, pretend, I was like, no, that didn't not happen. Yeah. <laughs> I must have been dreaming. Well, Meryl drilled it home that <laughs> it was his, so I had to accept it. I hated it. He hated it. He hated it. But. They have me for the long haul because I have to find out how it resolves. So, you know, mm-hmm. I guess it achieved its purpose. We'll see. All right. Um, we're moving on to our discussion. Discuss. Which is, what again, should artists be Yeah, team? I kind of picked this up off of a discussion yeah, on Twitter totally. between creators, uh, which is how much or if should a writer uh, try to influence an artist's layout and art and direction? Um, I can't remember which creative I was watching, but I I read their things with respect, and then thought this would be an interesting point for us to discuss. Uh, I'm gonna jump right into it. In that, the first thing that came to mind for me is the artists are trained and taught on layout, on you know how to make this thing work on a page. Really, the writer should be giving them direction, but not trying to storyboard an artist that that seems totally counterintuitive to me it would be like the artist trying to write um i i guess it depends on how the team works how how what their dynamic is for certain teams that have been together i mean you want to talk about something like starlin and lee and lim mm-hmm. who've done so much work together and starlin being an artist um they probably have a lot of good collaboration on who should do what when but in a general team, what do you think about the question? Well, for me, this, is, this kind of hits right there at home because I'm working with an artist on Bridgeland and I actually spoke him this week and I told him, hey, listen, don't, you know, let your creativity be, be fettered. Um, I've given a, a script, I've tried to write the script as visual as possible. I'm not an artist, so, you know, I'm, I'm depending on you to, you know, illustrate I, I think that should be the ideal for a writer-artist team, whether or not the, the writer is an artist or not. Um, the writer just do their job, you know, draw, I'm uh, sorry, write, tell the story in a nice visual fashion and make it easier that way for um, the artist to do his work. Uh, for the, the big companies, the, the big comic book publishers, I think the artist in some ways has it a little easier because they're, they're dealing with established characters. So, Spider-Man looks a certain way. Superman looks a certain way. So there isn't a huge grade of flexibility in that regard. I mean, probably one of the more flexible heroes to draw probably has to be like Batman. 
because you can simply draw him in a different suit and say, hey, it's a different suit or whatever. You know, but for most of the characters, they're pretty much set out um, as in how they look. Mm-hmm. Unless the character is having a, an official um, revamp in terms of how they look. But, you know, play play to your rules. I think when you have a, a writer who wants to micromanage the artist, yeah, I think that you know, that, that sucks. I think I only think though for the for the not the indie guys, but for like the big two publishers, I think the biggest negative impact on an artist would probably be editorial. We have somebody above you saying, you know, this is this is what it is. How do you do it? Well, back in the day, um, prior nineteen sixties, so and so, I think DC, the writer dictated what was drawn, almost a storyboard, so to speak. In the sixties, when Marvel started up, Stanley was writing like a gazillion books. That's what started the Marvel style of doing comics, where Stanley would give brief overviews, publish the script. And even the artists and say, just work your magic, right? And Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and John Reed and those guys would go in and draw the story. I said, make those few suggestions, but the artists would have a lot of free leeway to do what he wanted. And so, really put their signature. Right. On. And both ways work for me because as a writer, I tend to want, would want a certain level of control. If I see something that I don't like, I may say, but. Like it comes down to the teams. If you're a team that trusts one another and you've been working well together, you can get away with, you know, I, I trust you're going to do something that I'm going to like. But I wouldn't say hard and fast that I don't like uh, a writer um, giving his input heavily. It depends. Either way it works for me. And I know, I, I was telling um, the illustrator for Bridgeland, Tristan Roach, I was telling him, hey, dude, you're not. A, pe- a really expensive pencil, you know. You've got your own input. As a writer, you're supposed to lay out. Okay, this is generally the idea of what a character looks like. Unless you're working for someone like DC or Marvel, where that's already established, you give your input onto on what you think the character looks like, and you know you you get that um, drawn up, get that illustrated, you get you give feedback. Oh yeah, I don't write me like looks of characters. I mean like the action. Like this is what this is gonna happen in this story. This is how this is gonna fight. This is gonna go. Um, there's certain things in a fight that are integral to the story itself, not just a fight. So the artist may have to say, well, I need Batman to punch this guy through mm-hmm. this wall over here and then fall with a wrong host kick because this is going to happen. Right. Or whatever. But uh, to me, to me, what should happen then is the artist decides on what angle that's happening from, whether it's looking up from the floor through yeah. the wall, yeah. you know, anything at yeah. all yeah. should yeah. from that point be the direction of the artist. Yeah. Once the writer says, I need X and Y to happen... Artists should have free reign to do it using yeah. his style, his training, his, you know, that's his skill. But the, the thing with a writer is that, again, they're supposed to write visually. So when you write visually, you're you're literally, you know, setting somebody's imagination mm-hmm. on fire. Mm-hmm. Whether that is your, your reader, if you're a novelist, whether that's the, the illustrator, if you're uh, writing comic books. I think that makes it easy. I mean, I, I read, I don't follow the, the creative themes as much as Wade does. But I've been reading um, upon some of the more upcoming uh, illustrators, and they sound so excited when they read, and you know they start picturing all these really cool wor- worlds and you know equipment and stuff. Yeah. You know what I think is the team that's killing it right now? Fraction and Asha. Um, it's more hockey wanking off here. Again. Yes. Oh lord. Um, Asha definitely has his own style, and it's it's a complicated style I think to write for and direct. I think he gets a lot of free reign because of his, I think it's minimalistic, uh, overall style. Um, 
it's hard for it's hard for someone in a comic medium to visualize in the way he sees things mm-hmm. because he brilliantly puts these things together. He really brilliantly creates a storyboarding panel. So, I mean, I, I think they're working out perfectly, and I think that's the way it should be most of the time, barring some exceptional circumstances. But I say some artists you have to do that with people like Jack Kirby. You can you can restrict Jack Kirby to a story, <laughs> yeah, because he kick you out. Exactly, <laughs> the way he the way he drew was so big and bombastic yeah. and flashy. I mean. I, I knew Stanley just was telling him, well, if Fantastic Four, you're going to fight the author this issue. Go do what you want to do. Bro. That was it. <laughs> That's what I loved. The thing is, though, when I was looking for artists, I I literally, I, I contacted a few people I knew, some artists and stuff, and I sent them all a page. I said, hey, listen, this is your audition page. And then just a page from your script, and I said, hey, listen, you know, translate what you see on the page. And I, I went with the guy that I think did that best. I I didn't give a whole lot of direction. I wanted somebody that could look at what was written in terms of the of the of the text and just try and did it. Um, you know. Khalil? Um I don't have much to say for this particular doc, uh, discussion. Um, because I think it varies from artist and writer Any examples? Uh, well, I just pulled up the comic book resources has a really cool um, interview with the creative team on Young Avengers this week, um, Jane McKelvey and Karen Gillan. And what is really cool about part of it is that they have the script for the first uh, three pages from Karen Gillan. And so in it, he's kind of saying um, to the colorist uh, how they want things to kind of be to look and stuff. And um, in the script, they have things like um, things like uh, so when Kate wakes up at the beginning of the issue, the room appears to be slightly messy, hipster-ish apartment. There's two doors to this room, one which one which leads to this ensuite shower, one which is ajar. Both pretty much look like normal doors. And then they say Kate is wearing his overlarge t-shirt. She's sleeping in it, and they have the captions. And so that kind of script. Um, as it goes on it's pretty detailed but it gives the artist a lovely way yeah. so when he says hipsterish she can kind of put in stuff um, McKelvey can kind of you know build it up but the, he also um, has clear things for like, you know where he wants the points of focus to be so he says uh, bare legs beneath the t-shirt something goofy like she's wearing one sock um, but there's space within this script for the artist to add their own stuff but obviously the places where he wants the the eye to go he has it you know and um so those two things kind of of i think in probably in the best um comic book creative teams it's a little bit of that give and take where the artist and the writer each give something you know um also, when um, Clarice Claremont was working with um, John Byrne, John Byrne, a lot of apparently a lot of the, the stuff that they did was um, collaborative. Was collaborative mm-hmm. because uh, Byrne, even though he was the artist, is Byrne or Byrne? Byrne, John Byrne, John Byrne, that was Byrne yeah. would um, John, Byrne, so. John Byrne would uh, kind of edit some of the stuff that Chris Claremont wanted to add in. He would say. I don't think we should put this in stuff. I mean, he had input to talk to him. And, and, they eventually fell and they, over that. They fell out over yeah. the creative differences. But um, a lot of the thing is that they there was a, you know, back and forth between 
how things should look and um, arguably that helped make that that book so strong so I mean I think the best ones are the ones where there's there's input from both I know um, this is kind of like a tangent but with the Harry Potter books when the first movie came out I was interested in seeing that movie because I wanted to see how well what was on screen matched up with what he had visualized for reading the book and I wonder if it's like that for illustrators I mean sure you might get a script it has minimal direction or it doesn't have any direction or it has a whole ton of direction but you know it, it's really it's really cool to find out if what the artist renders if that matches up with what the, the writer wrote or what he envisioned when he was writing it I think that would be interesting to find out but are we asking if the artist should have his own freeway, or are we asking if the direction should come from the writer anyway? Because this is the writer's thing. Like, what is the ideal situation for? I guess for like the big companies like Marvel and DC, it's hard. I think some people may need direction, but but you might that that direction might come more from editorial though, not from your writer. I mean, the writers want to have their own, you know. No, but I mean, a writer. No, well. The editorial will control the writer and the artist, but in terms of this is like this is a story I'm writing this way, visualizes what you want to do. Editorial will then say like, well, no, do this in the story or whatnot. But I think the artist, I think editorial editor, editor, editor directs the writer and the writer will direct the artist. I think that's probably what it goes. I, I I personally think that if you've got a good artist and they interpret well, yeah, you don't need right. It depends on the person if you can trust them or whatnot, how you work together. Yeah. Because I mean, sometimes I mean, when you, when you look at like some of the comic books, some of the little things, um, you know, you wonder how people came up with that. And I think a lot of it comes from the artist. I think the bottom line, um, if you need to correct your artist too much, you're probably not a good team, and, and you should probably look at you know changing the team. Is it that you're not a good team, or is that you're nitpicking the whole? Well, I mean, if if y'all aren't in sync, if he's not seeing what's in your head, you know, I, then that's not I, working. You can't if you're a writer and the person's just not getting what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. the tone you want, the the thing you want. There's nothing wrong with, with having either of you. Around. I don't think there's anything anybody's fault. It's just right. the two of you really don't, don't work together. Yeah, right. Do we do we have any examples of that where it seems like your writer and artist aren't quite jolly? I don't know what's going on. I can't I can't speak to that because I wouldn't know. Uh, I can definitely read a bad story. I don't know whose fault it is. I mean, as soon as the writer, whose fault it is. I have to say it's only the writer because a bad story is a bad story. Art seldom takes me out of a story. That happened not long ago, but there's no way I'm gonna remember what it was. Yeah. The, the, there was a book that I liked and I didn't like. It either. also bothers me when um, the art, when the art is um, shifting a lot. It's shifting. As in when they have more than one, one artist. Oh, yeah, that, that, that freaks me out. Well, That's Hawkeye, crazy. we just talked about Hawkeye. Hawkeye 7 is... Um, yeah, it's not Aja. It's not Aja, which I've been loving. That's a major feature of that book for me. But but the thing is, I don't mind where you have a series going on, and there's one art, there's one illustrator, and then the illustrator changes, and yet they have an issue, walkable issues, where it's a different artist. It depends on yeah, it's not Hollings. Depends if it's an artist I like. No, what I hate is when uh, it was in a, a Green Lantern issue. No, um, where you have Jesse. Where you have like the book starts with yeah, one artist, that one you're talking about. We talked about, and then halfway through, it's just somebody else. That's that's weird. That pulls me a little bit. 
doesn't pull me out unless it's somebody radically different or bad. What the hell is that? Satellite changing orbit. Yeah, we just fell out of orbit, guys. Uh, boosters are reigniting, <laughs> and we are back. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So anyway, well, I guess that's anybody else to say what that, or we can go into some recommendations. On recommendations. On recommendations. Anybody have any recommendations? I have one, but just give me a sec. Yeah, I want to. It's not relevant to this week, but another uh, outsider recommendation that's working out. Lock and Key is great. Khalil's <laughs> <laughs> evil genius plan is coming through. Yeah, um, excellent. It was a comparison to Sandman that really got me to pick it up and drop my unfair bias of hating the name. That's really the only reason I haven't picked it up to date. For some reason, the name Lock and Key just seems silly. Um, a comparison to Sandman got me into it and the comparison is apt this is a really great um, horror psycho thriller book um, it's it's a lot gorier than Sandman but the characters are great um, the story is, is sweeping it's it's kind of broad there's obviously a top down view from it Like it's not issue by issue There's you're catching up with the things that are going on um, I, I'm only through the first arc but I'm absolutely loving it so far Well, I guess they seem to be the only. Let's just see what you want to say. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything. I'm just like, I talked about it yeah, ad nauseum, and I'm glad that it took somebody else talking about it. To Here, I'll say it for you. One right, of, <laughs> one of you three to pick it up, and I hope that the other people sitting at this table, other than me and Marley, pick it up. Um, just another kind of Sandman-ish thing. One of the things that Sandman does really well is keeping stuff that you don't see the first time you read it and using references There's that aren't obvious. Details. Lock and Key has some of that as well and one reference in particular where there was a there's a skull and, a skull key that, that kind of is evil and deathly. When it goes snick-snack, that's a reference to Jabberwocky, Jabberwocky which is yeah. an awesome poem and I got skin tingles when I read that part. I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> so yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. Ooh, I keep falling off of the of the hangout. Well, I don't have any recommend- recommendations this week, but I've got some new, well, not new, but some material I haven't gone through yet. I'll be taking a, a peep out this week, so we'll see what happens next week. Okay, my recommendation this week is a book called Death Match. It's written by Paul Jenkins, who did the uh, Century stories back in the day. Um, Deathmatch is a group of heroes, or as they're called here, soups, or villains, or they're called fears, and those in-betweens called newts, who wake up to find they're being held in a prison somewhere. They're being subdued by some kind of all-powerful light-based captor. They're given very little, very little information about where they are, save for the fact that each must go into a televised arena and face off against each other. Once they enter the deathmatch arena, no matter their feelings before they enter, they're somehow persuaded to fight to death. The whole thing is a big mystery, but on the face of it, it seems that they're there for someone's amusement. And on the surface, it sounds kind of standard, but the strength is in the characterization. Um, it's really good there's some cool characters there's a, there's a Spider-Man type character called the I can't remember his name he's never killed before he always comes on top he always wins he's an everyday kind of guy and he's forced to take his first life in these games it's really cool it's really good it's from Boom Studios so check it out guys Deathmatch Avengers Arena <laughs> not really at all um, 
I'm normally the person who comes with uh, the more indie books. I don't have anything like that um, yet this week. But I do have a book that I said I would put down. I am now going to pick up again because the last issue was good. And it's an X-Men book, but it's X-Men Legacy, written by Sam Scroyer. The first three issues were terrible, and I put them down. But a friend tweeted at me that I should read issue five, which came out this week, and I did. And it was very good. And then I read issue four, and that was also good. So I may pick it up again, although I don't think it's the first three were worth buying at all. I don't think people should read it. It was annoying. But it seems that Spurrier has a long-term plan that's coming into focus. I also think it got better because um, he introduced some other characters other than um, Legion. The art on it was better, these last two issues, and the covers are fantastic. So it's not a great book, but it's definitely the most improved book for sure. And the last two issues were very enjoyable. So my recommendation for this week with a pinch of salt is X-Men Legacy and just start at number four and forget the other three <laughs> <laughs> did you recommend some all I'm dreaming yeah I did oh yeah you recommended yeah. Lock and Key oh, oh yeah I should right. probably I, say that again just yeah, that probably Lock and Key that went right over my head Lock and Key snack <laughs> please it's so freaking good oh, it just okay. ended up winning an award actually I should point out here that um Joe Hill, the writer of Lock and Key, is the son of Stephen King. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, no, I'm definitely not going to read it. And I think... Are you scared, Marky? That his stuff, <laughs> actually... Both of Stephen King's sons are writers of uh, much acclaim, uh, Joe Hill and Owen King. I'm but um, Joe Hill's stuff is just... I'm actually a huge Stephen King fan, and I think Hill is surpassing me. Yeah, I, I think he just... I have to go right and find it. So this is like a is it a horror? Yeah. I mean, it has I'm it has horror that. roots. It has horror elements. It's it's wow. It's, I don't need to be creeped out, so uh, it I, I really have a hard time describing the book, but it's excellent. Okay. It is it is it is a hard to explain book insofar as that I think if you say it's just a horror book you feel yeah, like it's just a horror book really and it's not really just it's like calling Sam a horror book which is totally wrong I mean it's yeah. not but it does get called that Sam Man is, is one of those classics that I've never gotten into based on the subject matter I can't take I, <laughs> I, I like Mark I'm not as I'm not as wussy as Mark but I don't think horror <laughs> either really to be honest well the thing is I don't like horrors I don't there is watch no horror, horror movies there is horror there is not much horror and some of the gore in the yeah, first Sam, are I'm not gory, but I mean that's neither here nor there I mean I, I don't think that that accounts to the thing the is I, won't, I won't watch like torture porn films and I'm not a big horror fan but I do like Lock and Key very much I never recommend, I've recommended Lock and Key and Morning Glories and those are both books that what, speak okay, to yeah, horror just, just to make the last point what's getting me a little Lock and Key is not the horror elements it's the excellent writing the excellent the writing is so freaking yeah. good Okay, now we've wanked all over Lock and Key. I'm sorry, would you prefer we wank over some kind of superhero? No, we had enough wanking in the night. Would you prefer somebody else's wanking? right. I know. Would you prefer somebody else's in your body wanking? Wanking my penis in the way. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it for the night. Um, as usual, guys, 
You can listen to this podcast at www.outsiders.blogspot.com or is that www.outsidercomics.blogspot.com or you can check us on iTunes. You can also check out our Facebook page, The Outsiders Comic Book Underground or tweet us at Outsider Comics. I am Wade for Saline here with Khalil, you can wank my cop, Goodman. Jesus Christ. Mark, Twitter, training wheels, Gibson. And Mark, wank, 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 w